We Infuse Podcast, episode number 13. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Dylan McCabe, and each week we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the infusion practice with a standalone infusion suite or the provider office that offers infusions. And our goal is to take the confusion out of infusion, especially as it relates to the differences between the ambulatory infusion center or the standalone infusion suite or the provider office that does infusions and home infusion and home health. There's confusion around those issues, which is why I'm excited to have on our program this week our special guest named Jen Sharon. She's a VP of Clinical Services with the NHIA, the National Home Infusion Association. And she's going to just shed some light and put the pieces of the puzzle together on the differences between these major different different types of practices. There's different types of patient access involved. There are different barriers to entry involved. There's different billing involved. It's just there there really are completely different business models involved between the infusion suite, the home infusion practice, and home health. And we'll just talk about how they're related, how they're interconnected, and how they are vastly different all at the same time. So without further ado, let's listen into the interview with Jen Sharon. Here we go. Okay, welcome to the show. And as I mentioned, we do have a special guest, Jen Sharon, VP of Clinical Services with the National Home Infusion Association, NHIA for short. So Jen, thanks for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Excited. We also have our typical co-host, Mr. Reese Norris, one of the founders of We Infuse. Good morning. Good to be here. So we're excited to have Jen on the program because her specialty, obviously, is the National Home Infusion Association. And a lot of people that, especially uh, people that want to get into the infusion practice, really don't know the difference between home infusion, the provider office that has an infusion practice, the standalone infusion suite, the difference between that and a hospital uh, where people get infused in the hospital, all these different things. And there's a lot of moving parts. And then even talking about home infusion and home health, there just seems sometimes there's confusion and our our tagline with we infuse is we like to take the confusion out of infusion <laughs> good luck with so, that <laughs> so jen no pressure but we want you to clear all that up today all right. um before we jump into all that why don't you just share with our listeners just kind of like your background and how you got into the nhia and into infusion in general sure so i've been a nurse uh, for about 20 years i've done everything from icu to adult daycare um and about 15 years ago i actually took a job as an infusion nurse working for a home health care agency um, and then shortly after I fell in love with I fell in love with home infusion for sure caring for the patients at home um, and then went to work as a director of nursing for a home infusion uh, provider in New Hampshire um, and I worked there for about eight years when I left I was the chief operating officer of their um, programs we had three pharmacies in Maine New Hampshire and Massachusetts um, 503A pharmacy, so that's the type of pharmacy that services home infusion providers. Um, when I left there, we were building a 503B, which is more like a manufacturing um, to support our uh, industry. So it's a nonprofit, was owned by 40 hospitals in New England. So a lot of great experience there. I had worked actually with NHA on their ed committee. Um, since starting there, I've been to their conferences. Um, and then when this opened up, I was really excited to be able to kind of I think, you know, really bridge that gap um, between home infusion, home health, um, and really work on a national scale to promote home infusion, which is something that I'm very passionate about. 
That's great. So you've really you've you have an extensive background in this, yeah. and you've been a nurse, and now you're more on the business side yeah. with this nonprofit, and that's just amazing. And I know even before we came in here, just talking about the NHIA, it sounds uh, like your your heartbeat. And I don't want to get ahead of it, but it sounds <laughs> like your heartbeat is really just helping to equip people involved yeah. in home infusion, and especially. As always, just helping patients get access to some of these life-changing drugs. Yeah, so there's a lot of regulations associated with home infusion. We have a lot of things happening in the market, and really what our focus at NHA is to advocate for home infusion for patients and for our industry, but also to educate um, our industry, not just our home infusion providers, but working with uh, groups like yours about what are the difference with home infusion and how we collaborate um, home health providers, so really trying to be that center of um, collaboration. So we were we're really glad to have you on, Jen, because I think one of the questions we get quite a bit, and and you know I was even saying this before we got in here, we uh, we actually got an email last night, just folks not understanding the different classes of trade between home infusion pharmacies, which we also sometimes short call home infusion. Yeah. Um, so home infusion pharmacies, home healthcare agencies where nurses are going to the home. And then also the infusion center. And the infusion center can be, for our purposes, is really the provider, provider, provider based physician or nurse practitioner based infusion center. And there's a ton of overlap yeah. between them, but they are different and distinct classes of trade. And I think one of the things we try to communicate to our constituents that we infuse um, is to make sure they, you know, keep everything in the right bucket, even though a lot of there's a lot of crossover and synergy between all the different uh, classes right. of trade, it is very important. So Dylan opened up with that. I'm super excited about, uh, you know, our audience getting able to hear those differences. And if I misspeak, correct <laughs> me. I know the infusion center really, really well. Uh, sometimes I know enough to be dangerous in the home infusion side. So for our audience, the home infusion pharmacy, that's where you're shipping drugs to the home, correct? Yeah, typically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the crossovers. A lot of our home infusion providers actually do have infusion suites or they work collaboratively either within maybe not provider suites but where they might have them inside their pharmacy already but yeah typically how a home infusion pharmacy works um, is we get the referrals from all different physician offices hospitals might come from home care um, and then we compound the medications put them together very simplified with their supplies um, and then that gets shipped out to the patient either UPS or drivers couriers and then typically the patient, after they've been trained, then will infuse that medication on their own. Um, there's a lot of some differences with that. Some of the Remicades or some of the biologics, a nurse would actually go out and infuse the medication in the home. They insert the line, stay during the infusion, and do that right at the home. But many things like antibiotics, hydration, the patient have a somewhat permanent line of vascular access and we train them to infuse their medications on their own and then the nurse would go out once a week um, do a dressing change might draw labs assess the patient uh, more frequently if needed but really a lot of what we're doing um, is a lot of independence for the patient which is fantastic for them to go back to their regular lives um, and feel that they have control over what they're doing that is so interesting and so out of out of the things that you mentioned, just going back to your experience, what, what would you say today is your main area of expertise? So I think it really is the compounding. Um, you know, home infusion compounding is a little different um, from where you might see, uh, and even in a hospital area, where we're compounding a week's worth of drug. Um, and it's really 
the compounding itself is specific to each individual patient. So some things that are considered with that is, um, you know, how long is the drug stable? Uh, what's the method of administration that a patient can do? So some patients will be on a pump. Some will use elastomerics. Some will be IV push. So what has to happen is this full assessment of the patient uh, with the whole team. Um, and then the, the pharmacist actually does the type of compounding um, and develops kind of that the way that it needs to be compounded specific to the patient. And then we have technicians who do the compounding and the pharmacist oversees it. But I think the biggest thing is that sterile compounding expertise um, and something that over the last two years, uh, really, NHA has started to try to promote. We had our sterile compounding clinic last year at the conference. We had clean rooms. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. we had clean yeah. rooms. We had TPN compounders. Uh, we had people uh, compounding and doing medications and a full week-long program just on sterile compounding. Um, and with the regulatory changes, that's even more important for us this year. So for our audience out there, home infusion pharmacies are, you know, subject to pharmacy, pharmacy regulations. Mm -hmm. They're shipping drugs to the home. Uh, the therapeutic areas, again, Jen, step yep. in here if I'm wrong. The therapeutic areas are typically, you know, antibiotics, mm -hmm. you know, TPN, um, hydrations, occasionally biologics. I, yeah, biologics, we're doing a lot of biologics okay. in the home now. You know, I think when everything went, uh, especially on the commercial payer side, they started moving patients from hospital infusion suites to either physician office practices, mm -hmm. um, infusion suites, or the home. So we're seeing a tremendous amount of biologics now done in the home. That's great. Um, and IG is another mm -hmm. one that we do a lot of. Um, and then the other one that we talked about earlier is inotropes. So we have patients at home on inotropes uh, therapy, either bridge to transplant, heart transplants, um, sometimes end of life. Um, so there's a lot of complexity about what's happening in the home for patients. Great. And so for our audience, you know, so if you have an infusion center, a lot of those drugs that she just mentioned are also administered in that infusion mm -hmm. center. So it's just a matter of making sure you're, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's in terms of keeping those classes of trade separate when you're billing class, you know, your inventory separate, yes, yep. you know, so a pharmacy has its own inventory uh, when you're in one bucket and then the infusion center, if it's truly a, mm -hmm. a, a physician office or a nurse practitioner on infusion center will have its own inventory as well. So again, keeping those buckets um, separate. And again, I want to distinguish the National Home Infusion <laughs> Association from the National Infusion Center Association, which we call NICA. So there's NHIA and NICA. Both are incredible organizations um, and both advocate for patients and providers. And again, lots of synergy, lots of crossover here. But we actually at NICA, I'm a board member there, we work a lot with the NHIA on multiple yeah. issues. Um, I was sad when Ken Van Poole left because, yeah. you know, I, um, you know, I've been working with him on, on quite a few things, but I know you guys are, I know other yeah, members of your team as well. So. You know, honestly, one of the biggest things we worked on was this issue in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sure was. Where we had Brian there testifying, our Connie Sullivan testifying, I testified, and that was really again, just shows the crossover between home infusion and hospital or infusion suites of mm -hmm. all kinds. Um, and the Board of Pharmacy, you know, really came down. It was going it was going to affect hugely patient access in the state of New Hampshire. And so that banding together, I think, really brought NICA and NHIA right, a right. lot closer <laughs> even um, just in how we're aligning. And some of the regulatory things that are coming 
are, you know, may affect uh, physician practices for compounding. So there's also this kind of back and Pendulum. forth between that, mm-hmm. yeah, as mm-hmm. well. So there's a lot of synergies there. <laughs> well, well, tell us, tell us about your conference. Uh, when is it? How do how do listeners get involved sure. and come to the conference? Yeah, so our conference uh, is March 9th through the 13th this year. Um, we will be at the Gaylord in uh, Kissimmee or Orlando, Florida. So we have a lot of great programs, and we're excited to have you there with us, Reese, yeah, um, to help explain the the home in, the uh, infusion suites, kind of the billing side on our group, so that we can um, be able to make that clear. Um, so we're excited to have you there. But we're going to have everything from uh, advanced nursing training for home infusion. Uh, we're having our sterile compounding clinic again this year um, that'll be we'll have some training inside the expo as well as tabletop exercises and that's during the whole entire conference as well separate registration for that uh, we'll have our networking event which i'm sure you had fun at last yeah, year well, as absolutely. well i'm making the final changes to that coming up soon um, but yeah, it's really the one area where home infusion providers kind of come together and um, really my favorite part of it coming as an attendee is it was the only place I could talk about home infusion and everybody knew what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so nice. Um, so we're excited to have everybody back. Uh, we have some great new sponsorships actually for our business providers. Um, so it's going to be an exciting time. Um, we're looking forward to people coming. Registration should open next week. Um, you can go to our annual conference uh, website and get all the information there. Um, but yeah, we're, we can't wait. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. And for fun. people that have never stayed at the Gaylord, they are in for a treat. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's quite a location you guys it picked. It sure is. Yep. And so when you talk about compounding, what's one big thing you would want our listeners to take away around the subject of compounding? Uh, regulations are changing. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some new release of the USP 797. Um, coming out that came out this summer. Um, we did a webinar on that um, and on what those changes are to home infusion. Um, and then interestingly, we also just had uh, released is the FDA in sanitary conditions uh, regulations that were released as well. You know, interestingly, they don't, two federal regulations don't really uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, agree, right? Yeah. And so now we're trying to bridge that gap between two of these regulations um, for our home infusion providers. But that's the biggest thing there uh, is the compounding is changing. Um, USP 797 and USP 800 are going to go into effect. Um, and so we need to prepare our audiences as well as home inf- home, any providers um, doing any type of compounding office as well. And so Brian Nyquist at NICA told me, and maybe Jen, you can elaborate here, that USP 800 makes it more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the right word? I don't even know. <laughs> Clearer. I don't know what I don't know what, what's proper. Um, but um, that mixing in the physician office or the provider-based infusion center um, is different than compounding. Yes. Um and that, that there's some clarity around that, the better clarity around right. that in USP 800. Is that correct? It's that... under USP 797. Okay. Um, and similar to what we kind of came in contact with as New Hampshire is what is compounding and what is um, mixing the drug prior to administration. Okay. So that was really what we focused on in New Hampshire was that for one dose for one patient for basically using right away, um, that that's going to be 
really specific in 797 when that is. And that does not constitute compounding when you're doing that. So like we were talking with a Remicade, if a nurse is in the home and they're putting that dose together for that patient to be administered right away, that's based that's different from the 797. And that'll be physician offices as well. And that was just really important, especially for these biologic therapies that are way-based, that, you know, you have to weigh the patient before you mix the drug. And, you know, so again, just really... And expensive. You you really shouldn't be mixing or starting those until you're ready to administer it. Um, And they also don't stay stable for very long. So you can't mix that seven days ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is based on the patient-specific diagnosis and order. So, yeah, that is a big, big deal. So is there a resource that our listeners could go to to stay on top of these regulatory changes that you mentioned? Sure, yeah. So we're actually having a webinar on Thursday that will review those regulatory changes again. You can um, Anything on the NHIA advocacy website updates that. Um, and actually, we submitted comments from NHIA on the USP 797, so that really has been completed now. Um, but yeah, the, the webinars are all open access webinars. You can see the one that we actually released, um, in August. And then we have another one again, uh, on Thursday. So, so you're able to, if, if you miss it, you can go back and view absolutely. It. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah. You can view those webinars online. It's awesome. I got a question from one of our clients recently about this. So this is great. A great way for me to point him in this area. So, yeah. The other thing that's really happening, too, is Medicare payments. So we were talking about this earlier, is there's just not a good payment model Mm -hmm. for Medicare patients. Um, And the Century 21, uh, 21st Century Cures Act actually changed some of the payment model, uh, reduced the price of the drug by sometimes more than 90% for providers with the promise of putting a service payment in there like a commercial payer would do. Um, and those regulations or those rules were released actually um, this summer as well. And what they're saying is they want to require the only day that you can bill is when the day the nurse is in the home, which that's not home infusion like we talked yeah. about. Patients are infusing the medications by themselves. And the compounding, everything that to do with that patient is done throughout the week. Um, so to have one billable day... I mean, that's just, that's not, that's not, yeah, not sustainable. That's not work, right? Right. So we're and again, so that. those were for home infusion codes yes. for our listeners. Um, for the infusion center that's billing as a provider or a physician office, that's Medicare Part B as in boy. Right. Uh, and then you're, that's a little different for home infusion. And so I'm just, again, trying to make sure our yeah. listeners <laughs> understand that the 21st Century Cures Act really didn't impact uh, much, if at all. The, uh, the infusion center billing as a provider office or physician right. office. But, again, both are important issues because both affect patient access. Absolutely. So. That's good. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, are for you confused the, for yet? Those, no, I'm not, I'm not confused at all. I, yes. No, there's, uh, it's, I, I keep thinking of a, a maze in my mind, like we're navigating all these ideas. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, for anybody who has any more questions, obviously, you can check out our blog. You can give us a call. You can... Uh, you can call Jen. Call Jen. All this is meant to do is just uh, stimulate some thoughts here. So, so in all this, obviously, there's challenges, there's successes, all the different things that you guys face uh, in the National Home Infusion Association. What would you say has been one of the biggest challenges you've seen lately? 
Yeah, I think the payment mechanism really is a big challenge. You know, this home infusion has been widely accepted by commercial payers, Medicaid, um, and it's a continued challenge for Medicare beneficiaries to not have a complete payment model on that. You know, when you're looking at patients, um, you know, I always kind of tell the story of my dad, 70 you know, years old, he's out chopping wood, right? And if he gets an infection, you know, Medicare is really pointing him towards a skilled nursing facility mm-hmm. as the place of choice for him to get his six weeks of antibiotics. That's just not right. And that's not, that's not the highest quality, lowest cost site of care uh, for patients. And so I think the payment model is, is a big challenge for our industry, for sure. I mean, we can deal with the regulations and, you know, certainly, you know, we're really on top of the regulatory piece, but not getting paid for the services that we can provide is only going to decrease access for patients. So why is that? I mean, if a payer has a choice to send a person to one of these four locations, why would they send them, like you said, to a place that's not as accommodating and even more expensive? Yeah, you got me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nobody, the, the you know, commercial payers, even Medicare Advantage, you know, that's not their site of care, you know, so they do allow some of that. Um, but the Medicare payment, you know, really has to be changed. And, you know, a, a skilled nursing facility is kind of on one budget, you know, home infusion is another. So trying to cross that and show the savings across two budgets, you know, I think it's just, or two payment areas, it's just difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing's really easy to get past in Medicare. Um, so so an antibiotic patient, like, like you just described, if, if we have a 70-year-old person and they're you know, get an infection, they need six weeks of antibiotics. You know, that's really difficult. I mean, that's a traditional home infusion patient and not necessarily infusion center unless they're open six days a week, seven, I mean, seven days a week, excuse me, you know, for six weeks or during the six week duration, which there's not many infusion centers that are open that often. Not many physicians offices are open because you can bill under Medicare part B for those services. But the issue is these are antibiotics. Maybe it's continuous antibiotics or, you know, Maybe. Three times a day. Yeah. You know, that's TIDs. what is a patient yep. going to drive into an infusion suite or a hospital, you know, three times a day for that? It's just, it's not. So there's uh, a gap in coverage there mm-hmm. that Medicare is missing, and um, hopefully your right. advocacy efforts will continue and we can close that right. gap. So that those antibiotics fall under Part D as in dog, right? Mm-hmm. So that there is payment kind of for the drugs, but again, it's the services that are not provided where on a commercial payer, you know, the home infusion pharmacy would receive, they call it a per diem, which covers the compounding, the delivery, the supplies, 24-hour, you know, mm-hmm. on-call, yep. all of that. And that's what's not really covered under the Medicare benefits. So if we can get this passed, you know, the goal is to get this passed under the Part B, but it also gives us a great framework for expanding that for patients moving that's great. forward. That's great. So for those of our audience that are listening that maybe have a home infusion uh practice or maybe thinking about starting one. I mean, we do, we do obviously interact with a lot of our customers and people that are interested that already have an infusion practice, but maybe also want to add home infusion to that. Mm -hmm. What's one piece of advice you would offer to that crowd? Yeah, I think, you know, research it, right? This is, it's not something to kind of just go into. Uh, You really have to research your business model, your market, um, and understand the compounding regulations. And that is the big one there. Um, You know, I think I highly recommend um, coming to the conference. Mm-hmm, for sure. That is the one place that you can get all of that information. 
Um, and, you know, from compounding to the billing piece of it, to selling it, to leading in that area, to the clinical programs, that's really the one place that you can actually get a full understanding of what it like, what it's like to be a home infusion provider. That's great. And feel free to plug the conference all Yeah, you, all I feel you like want I because, am, but it, it's yeah, the no, place, because, you know. Yeah, because we want people to know. I mean, that's the, our goal with this podcast is to provide our listeners. We want to we want to use this as a platform to equip people. Right. And so this conference clearly is one of the best ways to equip people with interested in or involved already in home infusion. So, right. And membership to NHIA, especially if you're a new home infusion provider, it's all based on revenue. So if you're not doing a lot in home infusion right now, that it's really inexpensive to become a member. But as a member, you get access to Connie Sullivan, myself, mm-hmm. Bill Noyes, Sharon. And it is as easy as shooting us an email or picking up the phone. We're all very available to be able to help kind of ferret out some of those questions. Um, but that is, you know, again, just there's so many resources. I was just talking to someone who just went into home infusion you know, just yesterday, and they said, well, we need education on billing. Well, we have a whole framework for billing education mm-hmm. for members. So there's just a lot of resources there for anybody getting into it. That's great. So good. We all stand on the shoulders of others, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be successful alone. Absolutely. Well, let's share maybe another story. What's, with everything that you've experienced, what's a light bulb moment that you've had that's kind of changed the way you look at, at home infusion and what people go through in this in this industry? Yeah, I think probably it just really comes for caring for patients in the home. Um, you know, as a nurse from a hospital, I didn't really understand what home infusion providers did. And as soon as I was in the home taking care of that patient, um, you know, I think my biggest light bulb moment was caring for a patient on parental nutrition. Um, you know, we go in and we open up the box and there's so many supplies and, you know, you just see the patient, their eyes are big and you just say that you're going to be able to do this when you get done. And then two weeks later, you know, they're drawing up their multivites. They're entering into their bag. They're using fantastic technique. And it's just an amazing way for patients to be in their home with their families. And that's when we're ill. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be is I want to be home close to my family, watching my own TV, sitting in my own chair. Um, and that's, I think, for me, what made me so passionate about home infusion and the fact that we have to keep spreading this. And patients deserve a choice. If they want to go into an infusion suite, I think that's okay. They mm-hmm. should be allowed to do that. If they want to be home, they should be allowed to do that too. It's all about patient choice. That's so good. And that's something that comes out in every every podcast we do. We have Whoever we have on the show with us, I love it because your heartbeat is is like so many others in that it's really all about making the patient's life right. better, giving people freedom, giving yeah. people a lifestyle that they want, that they can enjoy. And that's just great. I mean, we, we wholeheartedly agree and think that's a great, great thing to yeah, really I don't think pursue. many people are going to say, hey, would you like to spend six weeks in a hospital? Yeah. Most people are not going to say yes. Yes, that sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I think I might know what part of your answer is to this next question, but tell us about what you're most excited about right now in Home Infusion. Yeah, I think the trajectory is going home, and that is huge for um, our industry. And I think we're starting to really get the respect throughout the medical community about what we can do at home. Having inotropes at home is a big deal. 
um, doing inotropes, I mean, um, Remicade and the biologics at home. So I think there is a lot um, coming that way. I think for NHIA, our biggest excitement right now is data. So we started a benchmarking program um, for patient satisfaction. We've developed standard definitions for outcomes. We've done this over the last couple of years. Um, but our for the patient satisfaction, we're in a pilot program right now um, with multiple home infusion providers across the U.S. who have adopted our standardized questions. So we're we're hoping to have some great data associated with that. The program will go live um, for anybody interested in collecting that data and submitting it. Um, we're taking applications for that part right now. That'll start in January. Um, so we should have some information about that. That'll be a quarterly report uh, coming out um, probably later in 2019. Um, and the other thing that we don't have a lot of data about is just our business of home infusion. How many home infusion providers are in the U.S.? What are their, you know, most done diagnoses? So we're starting a business data definition or business data initiative as well. So just helping to kind of frame what, how big our industry is. That is great. And so with all that, I know a lot of this goes back to the conference you guys hold mm -hmm. annually, also to your website, and then the app I saw you were sharing earlier yeah. that, I mean, you guys have clearly put a lot of resources and time and effort into equipping people. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. Uh, what's How can people get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so if you just go to the NHIA.org, www.nhia.org, uh, our website there, and you can click in. You can actually email any of the staff there. Um, but we're very accessible. So any type of information that you need, just reach out, and we're happy to share and discuss what the benefits of NHIA are specific to your organization. We're not going to recommend a membership if it's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. um, our real focus is just making sure that people have the tools that they need to be successful in home infusion. Great. And so with all that said, what would be one final parting piece of advice for our listeners? Uh, come to the conference. If you are in anybody in home infusion, you're thinking about getting into home infusion, or honestly, if you have an office that prescribes home infusion, I think it's really important to really understand what we do in this industry mm -hmm. um, and how to promote it and really be comfortable with your patients to it, too. If you're in an infusion suite and a patient says, you know, I'd really like to think about getting my patient, my medication at home, um, we need to be talking in a consolidated voice, what's appropriate for at home, what's not appropriate for at home. Um, but I think just understanding well-rounded what is actually happening in the home is, is huge for people and patients. It's huge. So good. It's a patient-focused approach. Yeah. We love it. Well, Jen, Sharon with the National Home Infusion Association, this has been great. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks. I really appreciate you. Thank yeah, you thank so you, much. Jen. We're looking forward to having you out with us, Reese. Um, that's going to be a very well-attended program. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I'm excited. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining the show, and we will catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.